these episodes about money seem to be getting some of the best reactions on the Good Evening Podcast. So it was only right that I brought on the greatest financial educator that I have ever known. Hillary Seiler owns Financial Footwork and Seiler FEC and has worked with professional athletes, NFL coaches, multiple universities, and individuals with all things money. Whether you're talking about home ownership, understanding net worth, lifestyle management, she is the go-to person. So before we even dive in, and I know that it's a new year, a lot of people have all these different financial goals. Let me just ask you right off the top, Hillary. If you won $30 million tomorrow, what are the first five things that you're doing with your money? Oh, I love that question. We ask this question of our, of our rookies and, of course, our veterans. But I wouldn't pick five things. Mm. There would be one thing I would do first, and then everything else would follow. Okay. And that one thing that I would do first is I would put all of my money into a trust so that A, I can't spend it, and then B, I can make a plan for it so that I can pull out that money and put it into different avenues. So if I won $30 million, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna take a beat, I'm gonna take a breath. I'm gonna put that money in a safe place, which for me would be a trust. For some people that might be an investment account, it could be a savings account, but for me it would be a trust because I'd want to make sure that if something did happen to me, my family would be taken care of and the trust would do that. And then I would say, okay, what's my game plan? And that's my two through 20. So number one's the trust. And then after that, it's let's pay off debt. Let's get rid of student loans if I have them. Um, let's buy property. Let's invest in companies. Let's see small businesses get off the ground. And what I would do is take that 30 million and put it into a bunch of different places and figure out what I could live off of. And then I would live off the interest from that 30 million and the rest of it, I would find a way to make it work and make it work for the people around me. So $30 million, game changer. First thing though, is to protect it and make sure I can make it work for me. Spoken like a true financial educator right there. That was <laughs> an educated response right there. Um, so I, I just wanna switch over to this, your company, Financial Footwork, works to help people get quote unquote financially fit. Right, that you should train your money like an athlete trains for a sport. So what does that even mean? <laughs> I get a lot of questions about this. So um, funny story, I was sitting down with one of my co-owners and we were trying to figure out what we were gonna name this company. And I was, I was struggling because Siler FEC is financial education for professional athletes. And it's, it's me and my very small team of coaches, you know, 80 years of experience between all of us combined. Um, and, and we just focus on speaking, but financial footwork was about helping people just like you and me, regular people who need help with money. And I wanted to find a way that would make sense for them to understand what finance is and how to make it work. So I couldn't name it. That was the hardest part. And I was sitting down with Tom Holy, who is a dear friend of mine, and he's actually the um, VP of communications for the Dallas Stars. And he's been instrumental in getting this company off the ground. We were on the phone one night, we were just spitballing because we, we were trying to figure out what do we name this? And we had a pretty good name. And then we were just talking about fundamentals of sports. We were talking about dribbling a basketball, running lines. Uh, we were talking about understanding how a play works. And then we got on footwork and how the fundamentals of everything that you do in sports come back to your foundation, come back to your footwork. And so financial 
financial footwork was born in that moment at midnight on a Tuesday trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to call it. And the reason we went with that name and we said, train your money like an athlete trains for a sport or trains for success is we want people to think of finance as something that you don't just start and finish in a day. Hmm. It's a continuous growth. It's something that you do every day and a little bit every day goes a long way, but you don't have to burden yourself or overwhelm yourself with 30 minutes of money every single day for the rest of your life. It's yeah. a training program. A lot of us have done a 12 week program. You just finished 75 hard. I saw that and oh my gosh, Ben Newman, if I do that program, I'm gonna be so proud of myself. Um, <laughs> but the idea behind financial footwork and training your money is we give you a training program to follow and we give you weekly exercises or weekly workouts that you do to train your money to improve your money game. So one week you might be working on your budget, one week you might be tracking your spending, one week you might be reviewing your performance, and it depends on where you are within our program as to what you're doing that week. So you, we've taken the training program you have in the gym and we've transitioned it to the training program that you have for your money. And then we coach you through that. And I'm a big proponent of continuing coaching. Um, I don't think finance ever stops. I think there needs to be someone in your corner giving you those daily reminders and giving you the next step to help you improve. So that's why we created financial footwork and we tell you to train like an athlete trains. Yeah. You know what? Somebody told me once that you could be really good at what you do. In fact, you could be the best at what you do, but you'll never be as good as you can be if you don't have a coach. Right. So I love that aspect of having somebody who is always there on your corner. Cause I remember even whenever I played football, I played cornerback. I was a DB at Oklahoma state. And every single practice we had to go, we had to do the backpedaling drills. We had to speed turn. We had to turn our hips. Things that you start doing whenever you first start playing football. But why is that? It's because they're the fundamentals, right? It's the, it's the basis of those things. So I love the background of how you came up with that name, with you know, just a footwork piece of that. Yeah. And it's about balance. And it's about learning what you need to do to make your finances work daily. Everybody's so concerned about how do I invest? How do I get into real estate? Should I buy Bitcoin? No one really goes back to fundamentals and the fundamentals start with your budget. It starts with what are you doing with your money every single day? Because if you don't have the fundamentals and all you're focused on is the long-term gain, you're missing all the steps in between that get you to wealth. Yeah. That's because fundamentals are boring. Yeah. Boring things are, are, are important. The mundane things are important. So there was a stat that came out years ago. It was 78% of NFL players face bankruptcy uh, within two years after retirement. But the analysis fell right in the heart of the Great Recession between 2007 and 2009. And a new study by the National Bureau of Economic Research shows that the actual numbers were about 16% within 12 years. I always make sure that I clarify that because people think that these athletes are just, oh, these dumb jocks, how could you go bankrupt? Just like someone who wins the lottery. When you come into a lot of money and you've never had money, the immediate emotional response is to spend it because it feels good. You can have all the things that you didn't have before. 16% within 12 years, way less than that 78% number, but still way higher than what the national average is. So what do you think are some of the common mistakes that you see athletes make with their personal finances? So money isn't just earning it. There's this emotional trigger that we feel inside of us when we get a lot of money and it feels so good to spend it and acquire the things that we've never had before. And I always think back to 
myself at 22, which was 12 years ago now. And I think, okay, at 22, if somebody would have handed me a $1 million signing bonus, what would I have done with it? I'd have spent it is what I would have done. I tell people all the time, you know, it's so easy to judge these athletes from the outside looking in. But, yo, I'm 21, 22 years old. And on top of that, if I get drafted to the Las Vegas Raiders, the L.A. Chargers, the L.A. Rams, or the Miami Dolphins in in one of these cities where it's all about the flash, yeah, I would have been broke. (laughs) Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And and the thing is, is that everyone can judge from the outside. But until you're sitting in that room and it's happening to you or you're front and center with these guys and you're seeing the experiences that they're going through, you, you can't judge because you have no idea what each of their situations are. And in addition to that, If you're looking back, like I just said, I'm looking back 12 years. I'm looking back at all of the mistakes I've made. I'm looking back at all the mistakes my friends have made. I'm looking back at what my dad and mom taught me, right? These guys are 22. They don't have a lot of life experience yet. And so I think when you see that 16% number, a lot of it has to do with they haven't experienced life the way we've had to, which is fine. It's a beautiful thing that they're playing. Uh, But you can't expect somebody to know something about a topic they've never been introduced to. So we hear people say dumb junk. I'm going to go back to that. And I spoke spoke about this recently with a friend of ours, uh, Julius. We were talking about the NFL playbooks. And um, being that we've both been in NFL facilities, we've seen how big those playbooks are. And they are massive. If you were to tell me personally to memorize one of those, I wouldn't be able to do it. That is not my skill set but every single guy on that team has memorized every play in that playbook. They're not dumb jocks. They're actually very, very determined, very smart, very motivated people. In fact, probably some of the most competitive people I've ever worked with. So it's not lack of ability to get things done. And it's not lack of being motivated. It's lack of education. And that is really where a lot of this stems from. And now let's take it outside professional athletes for a second. Did you ever have a finance class in high school? I did not. Did you have a finance class in college? Sure didn't. Yeah, you learned as you went. And we get to make mistakes from 22 to 30 because we don't have a lot of money to make mistakes with. And so we're learning the hard way. We might have a $1,000 credit card bill one month and freak out because we spent way too much money. Yeah. Now multiply that by 1,000 and you've got a 22-year-old athlete who's just handed a million dollars. What are they going to do? They're going to make bigger money mistakes faster because they haven't had the experience to know how to handle a million, two million, twenty million dollars. And so working with athletes, one of the things that I focus on isn't don't spend your money. It's be strategic, have a plan, know that this isn't going to last forever. And if you want it to last forever, you have to figure out how to make that work right now. And so that 16%, I think a lot of it has to do with lack of education until they get to the NFL because the NFL does a very good job of giving these guys as much information as they can. Yeah. But when you're learning at 22 and you've got that check and you're playing professional ball and you live in Miami, <laughs> the last thing you're thinking about at nine o'clock at night is balancing your checkbook or reviewing your budget. And so it's, uh, it's finding balance. And I'd say 16% is close to what I've, I've seen from guys that have retired. Uh, how do we change that statistic? It's purely education and a consistent coach in your corner, like you were saying. Yeah. And you know what the thing, too, is a lot of these guys will come from environments where as soon as they get this money, they want to go back and they want to help people get out. What you just said is key, the education piece. One of the best investments that you can make on somebody else is helping them learn. 
so that they can understand, hey, if I'm going to give you a $20,000 gift for your birthday, right, which I've seen before. Somebody said, look, my cousin just turned 25. I'm going to give him $20,000. That's fine if that person knows what to do with that $20,000. But oftentimes it's, I'm going to give him $20,000 five days later, $20,000 is gone. All right. And they've never seen that much money come in in bulk at once. So I love that, um, that education piece that you were just talking about. You brought up a good point there. Um, we get a lot of requests, right, about, I want to gift this. I, I want to give back. When you hear these young men at 22 saying, I want to give my money away, a lot of people don't even think that mm-hmm. why these men are going broke is because they're giving their money away. And that is a, a genuine reason. Like you said, can the person handle it? And I think this goes for anyone at any age. I had a, a player ask me a couple years back, hey, if I go 50-50 on a barber shop with my brother and I give him the money and he pays me back over time, can I do that? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely, but I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. Let me ask you something. And he said, okay, okay, he'll, what? I said, is your brother currently a barber? He said, well, no. And I said, does your brother currently own a business? Well, no. Did your brother go to school to own a business? No. I said, so neither of you have a business background. Hmm. Neither of you have worked in a barber shop and you don't even actually know how to cut hair. And he's like, oh, I think I know where this is going. And I said, does your brother want to be a barber? And he said, well, yeah, he does. And I said, great, here's your new plan. And he kind of laughed at me. And I said, if you want to invest in something for the two of you, invest in his future as a barber, get him his license. Make him go work in a barbershop. No, even make him. Ask him to go work in a barbershop for a year. Learn the ropes from a mentor. And then in a year, if he decides, I really want to open my own shop, he's not only going to have the experience of cutting hair, he's also going to have the experience of working in a shop and how it runs. And he's going to have a book of business to take with him when he opens a shop with you. It has now been two years since that conversation, and this particular player and his brother opened their shop six months ago during COVID. Yay! However, it's been really good for them because they learned how to be very frugal with how they advertise and their storefront and all of those things. And what that showed me was you don't just have to give money away. If you give money away strategically to improve the person you're giving it to, not only have you improved your quality of life, but you've improved their quality of life and everyone around them. So handing a million dollars to somebody that has a problem doesn't fix the problem. The problem comes from the education. If you're allowing them to educate themselves about the issue and you're helping provide a means to an end, you've improved their quality of life. How did you educate yourself? Because talking money is intimidating for a ton of people. Right. When, when folks are talking to financial professionals, they start using all this language that sounds unfamiliar. I know that especially with NFL players, whenever they'll go and they'll try to interview a financial advisor, they hear so much jargon that they come out of those interviews saying to themselves, hey, it sounded good. So I'm just going to hire that person. So you hear words like dividends, net income, assets versus liabilities, gross profit, liquidity, tax write-offs, et cetera, et cetera. So how did you actually go about learning these things? And start at a young age because these things don't get taught to us in school. Yeah, I, um, I was a very fortunate child. Uh, my family dinner table was where I learned about finance. Um, my brother and I grew up with two parents in the finance world. My mom was an entrepreneur and an accountant, and my dad was, um, and, and still is to this day, uh, a commercial lender. 
and he does some really cool asset-based lending for large companies to keep people employed. Uh, and, and it was always a, I was lucky that it was always a topic of conversation at my dinner table. Now at eight through 15, I didn't want to talk about finance at my dinner table. Um, I didn't learn key terms like dividends and net worth. What I did learn was the importance of the budget and how businesses worked. And I started to inherently enjoy learning about money. And it was because it was an open conversation. It was something that we always talked about. And as time went on, I started becoming very interested in how money worked and why the system worked the way that it did. So I had a passion for it. Um, but uh, then life happens as, as it does for all of us. And my mom got very sick when I was 19. Um, and I had a college fund. I was actually, my parents had scrimped and saved for 18 years. I had a college pot. I had $50,000 in my name to go to college at Oregon State University. Um, my sophomore year, my mom got sick and my college fund completely disappeared. And when I say completely disappeared, medical bills wiped it out. Wow. So I proceeded to take out student loans and I got a job. And in the process of that, I, was, I wasn't just college broke. I was sometimes only eating one meal a day broke. Um, and I was lucky enough to work in a restaurant my junior year. So I actually got a free meal when I worked there, which was really great. But in the process of all of this, one of the things I found was I went from being comfortable and having everything I needed to not having enough food in a, just a blink of an eye. And that was when I really said, I never want to feel like this again. How do I improve my, my personal finances? So I was a finance major. I not, never learned a single thing about personal finance as a finance major. And so I started actually just teaching myself. Um, I went on every bank website I could find. I went on every financial wellness website I could find. And I took as much information as I could. Um, and then I left college and my mom was still very sick and the money was still not there. And I got into banking and I learned a ton working in the banking industry for a couple of years. And again, took all that knowledge I possibly could and I turned it into something that people could understand that makes that jargon easy, that makes learning about your money easy without you having to do hours worth of research to find the answer to three questions. Yeah. Um, and that was my passion for it. But for anyone out there who's like, what's a dividend? How does net work, worth work? What's a DTI, which is debt to income ratio? What's an asset with a liability? All these terms we don't learn. You have to take it piece by piece and learn it a section at a time. Start with the fundamentals. You're not gonna be Usain Bolt the first day off the blocks. You're gonna learn how to get yourself to that point. And so the fundamentals are budgeting, savings, paying down debt, having a plan and setting goals. From there, you can learn about, okay, how do I leverage debt to yeah. buy things like real estate? How do I leverage debt to open a company? And when I say leverage debt, I'm not saying take out a huge loan. I'm saying take out the lowest interest rate loan possible for you to make money on a transaction. Mm. That's when you step up to advanced finance. Yeah. And you're learning about how to make yourself wealthy. And that's where you learn about key terms like dividends and net worth liabilities and assets. Because what you're doing is you're taking that budget and you're saying, okay, I have this much money. Now what can I do with it? And then we step up to level two, which is how do investments work? How do I take out a mortgage, right? And so it's building upon itself. And it's not something that you learn overnight and you will constantly learn. I've been a financial coach for 12 years. I still learn new stuff yeah. every day. And so it's, it's never gonna be perfect, 
but it can absolutely be practiced and you can get to your end goal. And I think that's what we all want out of money. It wasn't until I met you actually that I started about thinking of, of debt as, okay, there's good debt that you can leverage and it would be in something that's even better for you um, if you know about it the right way. And it was actually because I sat in on a conversation with you and a linebacker that was at the Miami Dolphins and you were talking about that, but you were also talking about calculating net worth. I had never even thought about, you know, what that meant to calculate net worth. So yeah, it's great to do that, that self-discovery and go ahead and read the books, but also listening in and being involved in those conversations with financial professionals or people who just have the heart of an educator who are willing to just teach and, and that you can actually learn from. I want to go back to your story real quick. You said that this experience of having money and then losing all this money and then going to a broke to a point to sometimes you're only you know eating one time a day. Very similar to my story because I have six siblings. By the time I was born, my family was well off. Like we were good. We had all this money. The recession hit. My dad was an entrepreneur. He had you know certain real estate aspects. He had a trucking company. All these things. We lost everything. I have to think about money all the time, or we have to think about money all the time. Did that shape the way that you actually went about spending? Did that shape your relationship that you have with money? And does it still affect how you view money now right? versus how you spend or save? Or are you bougie? Or are you like, hey, I'm really frugal? Has that experience shaped just your relationship with money long term? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll start with the relationship with money, period. We all form habits as kids and we learn from our environment. So some of us grow up with money and some grow up without. And some of us have a scarcity mentality or poverty mentality where we're so afraid to lose anything that we have that we don't spend. And yeah. some of us grow up where, and this was me, I didn't worry about money as a kid, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't able to buy everything that I wanted. There was by no means did my parents ever let that happen. And I had to learn the value of a dollar. In doing that, in learning the value of a dollar at a young age, because I actually worked all through high school. It was a personal choice. Um, my parents gave me the choice. I had one of two options. I could play three sports and they would pay for my car and my insurance. Or if I chose not to play sports, oh, and my, by the way, I had to maintain a 3.75 GPA if I were to play sports and they would pay for my car and insurance. <laughs> but I could work full time, well, not full time, 25 hours a week, they would help me purchase half of the car that I bought. I would be responsible for my gas, my insurance, and I had to maintain a 3.875 GPA. That was the deal. That was a trade-off in my family, okay? Now, this was like in an actual contract. My dad did not mess around. This, wow. was, this was written down. And in being 15 years old and working a job and seeing how, how much gas I could buy and put in my car. Now, mind you, when I was in high school, Gas was 89 cents a gallon. So <laughs> I, I did pretty good when I was in high school. Um, insurance was $65 a month. Now it's right. way higher than that. Again, we're talking about 20 years ago. Oh my God, let's not say that. Yeah, it's about 20 years ago. Um, and so it, cost was different, but I learned very quickly how a dollar worked. Now, did I appreciate how much a dollar could get me? Not so much. I was in high school. Um, I, I understood the concepts. But it wasn't until I saw medical bills that had a five-figure bill on it that I started going, we have to pay $22,000 for a 10-day ICU visit? Yeah. You have to pay another $30,000 for that one test? And I started realizing very quickly how fast money could disappear. And that's what changed my relationship with money. Um, um, I used to be very carefree with it. And now 
I'm good at spending. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm good at spending. Um, but I'm strategic in how I spend. And if something were to happen to myself or my family member tomorrow, I'd want to be able to take care of them and not worry. And that's how it's shaped my relationship. My relationship with money is now not so much of a, I have to be wealthy. It's around how do I take care of the people I care about most. And again, that's just life shaping you. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it was the same thing whenever I got married. So my wife and I, we had to have this conversation of, okay, she's a spender. I'm a saver. I started working when I was 15 years old, just like you. And I worked all the way through high school. And all I did was just save my money. You know, if we were going to go to the movies with a group of friends, I would, hey, mom, dad, y- y'all got any money? Knowing the whole time I had money in my savings account, I just didn't want to spend any of my money. <laughs> and my wife had to talk me out of being cheap, right? Like I always just say, no, 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 I'm being smart with money. No, I was cheap. And I can admit that. I, I was cheap. And she had to talk me out of, hey, look, you're still living like you don't have this money whenever you were 13 years old. You can get out of that mindset. Like if you look at our savings account, we're good. Start Mm -hmm. using some of that money a little bit so that you can have the appropriate balance in your life, the good life. Spend a little bit, save a lot. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, it's that same thing, right? It affects the relationship that you have with money really for a long time. And as you grow, like you talked about earlier, you still have to continue learning. And sometimes you have to unlearn some of the habits that you had whenever you were in a different season of your life. It's new year, 2021. People are trying to figure out what the heck they're gonna do with their money. They're setting goals. What is one or two pieces of advice that you would have for people saying, I wanna get my finances in order? Start with your budget. That's the place to start. If you don't know how much money is going out every month and how much money is coming in, you're not financially fit. So start with your budget. Build one. If you don't know how to build one, the beauty of most programs out there, including mine, is we teach you how to build one. And the beauty of a budget, and this is my favorite part about it, is it's not limiting. It's you controlling and telling your money where you want it to go. So you have complete autonomy on where your money goes and how you use it. It's just a matter of seeing the numbers on paper and then making a choice and being strategic in your choices. Some of us have a lot of money to play with on our budget. Some of us don't. I still see people to this day that make 10, 12, $14,000 a month and they don't save as much as the people who take home three or 4,000. It's a choice. And so, 2021, my piece of advice would be create a plan, starting with your budget, build your budget, work on it, play with it for a few months, see how it's working for you. And then part two of that, don't be afraid to reach out, ask questions, follow people that give good pieces of financial advice or daily motivational tips. Every time you read something new and retain it, you learn something about your finances. Now, make sure they're quality, make sure that they're actually giving you valid financial information. Um, But I think that that's another piece is continue learning. So build your budget, build your plan, and then continue to develop that every single day. Although money isn't everything, it sure can make life a lot better if you know how to handle it correctly. So take this information in, and as you take it in, have yourself a good evening.